So you're getting to know your baby and they're getting to know you. So you'll try something and it may work or it may not. So just keep trying different things and don't feel like you should be doing something or you need to be doing something. Just do what works. That clip there was from today's interview with Georgina Vyshevsky, founder of Woodlands Collective, which is a company that provides infant and child sleep support. She is so incredibly cool and I'm so excited for you to hear this interview. So I'm currently in a phase of life where I do have small children myself, but I also have a lot of friends who have small children or who are about to start a family or thinking of wanting to start a family or having, you know, their third or their fourth kids. Actually, I don't think I know anyone who has four kids, but you get the picture. And uh, when I think about conversations with some of my friends who have par- who are parents or becoming parents, newborn sleep is such a hot topic. We talk about what works, what doesn't work, what to do, what not to do. We swap strategies. We ponder over whose advice we should be listening to. It's It's a lot. There's so much information out there and it's really, really hard to just cut through and figure out what is the best way to go and the best way to go for you or for me or whoever you are. So I was inspired to bring on definitely the best sleep expert around that I've come across and that is Georgina. So Georgina is equal parts impressive and humble. Her credentials are insane. She has a master's of social work. She has an MBA. She's a registered social worker. She is trained in infant and child sleep as a consultant. She is a lifelong learner and she's a mom of two and she has her small children who are two and three who are completely different sleepers. So one of them was an angel baby as she talks about. The other one was colicky and just had some more sleep challenges. And so Georgina just gets it. So she was inspired to create this company, Woodlands Collective. And so I had to have her come on the podcast. So a little bit more about Georgina. In her private practice, she works one-on-one with families to provide them personalized sleep support. And she also has a course that will walk you through everything that you need to know about newborn sleep. So things like the biology behind just sleep in general, but newborn sleep, how you as a parent or a caregiver can be supporting newborn sleep tips and tricks to actually get your baby to sleep, and how you can prioritize your mental health through it all, which I think is just such a unique spin and one of the reasons why I really appreciate Georgina. So I will have to call out my bias. I did help Georgina create this course that I was just typing. So Georgina came to me for some curriculum design support. So she had a program in mind and I helped her to bring it to life. And it was such a fun process and I learned so much. And I think I was like 38 weeks pregnant when we were finishing the course. So it was very, very timely for me as well. Okay, so I know that if you're listening to this, you're probably either about to enter this phase or you are in this phase of life or you just want to reminisce about the good old days. So you're probably dying to hear more from Georgina. So I'm going to stop talking and here we go. You're listening to the All Figured Out Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Barr. As a career coach for parents, a mom, an entrepreneur, and someone who spent 10 plus years in the corporate world, I still don't have it all figured out. And maybe you don't either. In this podcast, I'll share tools and strategies that I use with my clients. And in the many areas where I don't have things figured out, I'll be bringing you some amazing guest experts to help us fill in the gaps. So tune in each week as we explore how to make career and life decisions that truly work for you, your family, and your big goals. Let's make moves. Georgina Vyshetsky. Did I get it? Yeah, you did. Well done. Hey. 
Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I selfishly kept you in my pocket for when I was postpartum so we could record this. So thanks for coming on and joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited. So you are such a secret weapon for those who um, are in BC, Alberta, Ontario, and online as a sleep consultant, which is such a cool job. So you've got to tell us, I want to hear the story again, because we have become friends in our neighborhood, but I want everyone in the audience to hear how you went from Adelaide, Australia, and studying social work to Vancouver, BC, or North Vancouver specifically, in the woods, yeah. to being a sleep consultant. Um, so niche, so cool. Tell me your career story. Yeah, I'll try to keep it brief. Um, so yeah, I finished, I did my social work degree um, in Australia. And part of that, you have to do a practicum, you know, you work um, with clients in real life. And I did my second practicum actually in Vancouver in 2008. Fell in love with Vancouver, but, you know, had to return to Adelaide to finish studying. And then I worked in Adelaide as a social worker in mental health and substance use, um, frontline social worker for three years. But then, you know, I was single, you know, I was in my mid-20s. I was like, I want to go back to Vancouver. And it's so easy for Australians to get visas in Canada. So I applied for a visa, got it, came here without a job. But I was like, I'll figure it out. Like, I just always figure everything will work out. And I'm like, what's the worst that happens? I just go home. And I was lucky to land a job so quickly with Vancouver Coastal Health, frontline social worker for mental health substance use, met an amazing group of people that I worked with who are still like my best friends that I met like 12 years ago. So this is like 2012, April 2012. Um and then I worked there in social work for sort of nearly 10 years, but I just kept moving around, progressing my career until I landed for operations manager. So I was overseeing some of the programs that I'd previously worked in. So I moved a bit from social work role to more of a management role, um, but still overseeing services that were working with the mental health and substance use population. Um, and so Unbelievable. With various teams there. And I was overseeing um, more acute sites. So 24 7, based at Vancouver General Hospital, um, various sites there when I got pregnant. And um, I then went on mat leave in November of 2019. So I had no idea what was about to happen the next year with the pandemic. You didn't? Uh, no, I didn't see it. Like, you know. <laughs> Out of all the possibilities, a pandemic was not one of them. Including <laughs> the fact we had our wedding in Australia on March 14th. So as the world was shutting down, we oh. were in this absolute bubble of, we'll have a wedding, we'll have a buffet wedding at that. And, <laughs> you know, the things that like were, and it was everyone's last party for years oh. because Australia was a little bit behind Canada shutting down. So things hadn't shut down yet. In Vancouver, I think they'd shut down the day before. But we were sort of like, oh, yeah, maybe, you know, something, COVID, maybe. Um, anyway, obviously the pandemic hit um, and I came back to Vancouver and then quickly got pregnant again. So my kids are 17 months apart. So because uh, we're lucky enough to have 18 months of mat leave here, I rolled one mat leave into another and had my son. And then I started to really think about how can I go back to work and work Monday to Friday, 
um, with two young kids. And at the time, the rules were still so strict. If your child was at all sick, they couldn't go to daycare. You know, my husband very much has a nine to five job. We have no family in Vancouver. So how can we, how can I work, but also be totally available for my kids? I was also really, really, really bored during my mat leave. I think being (laughs) so isolated and like you couldn't see people you couldn't easily leave the house like I was not using my brain um and so I just always had a love for infant sleep and so I was like oh I'll just study like I'll just go back and do a course so when my son was like four months five months I enrolled in an online course um they still sleep so much at that time Mm -hmm. and it's like a bit more predictable so I was able to do a self-paced online course with sleep and then I loved it so much I did another course and then I was like okay maybe I can turn this into something and so I still had six plus months left of my mat leave so I was like why don't I just see if I can do a bit of a private practice you know work a little bit and so I launched Woodlands Collective which is now um, from which I provide sleep support and we also provide one-on-one counseling and that was over a year ago now Um, and as a registered social worker so I'm registered as you mentioned in uh, BC Alberta and Ontario um, people can have my support covered by extended benefits if they have extended benefits which is like amazing amazing it's so so niche I feel like a lot of people would see the line item on their benefits package and be like social work what would I use that for thankfully a lot of people will not be in a situation where they have to use it for the acute situations you described but that's so incredible oh my gosh Jordina what a journey yeah no it's been amazing I can't can't believe you know I am where I am and loving what I'm doing and able to be home a bit more with my kids right now and just seeing Mm -hmm. what it evolves into Mm. okay before we get into sleep there I have so many questions selfishly and for and for others for the listeners of course I have questions um how did you make that decision to to be like you know what this is what my family this is what we need right now and like standing you know not to go too woo-woo but like standing in your power to like to take a leave from work because I know you also are on a a leave of absence as well how did you make that decision how did you kind of stand in that I think I would confidently I think I was just really lucky that I still was on maternity leave. So I knew that I was still receiving income. I was very lucky to have top up from work plus getting um, benefits, you know, and I knew that therefore I could study while I was still receiving some income, being with the kids and had a little bit of runway, knowing that I probably wouldn't make a lot of money to begin with. Like I didn't really expect to make much money for the first six months. Um, and so I had the backup that I could always go back to work, but, Mm. you know, and I had the support of my husband and we had some childcare, you know, part-time for the kids. And I'm just this eternal optimist that everything will work out. And I always honestly go back to what's the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario was that I'd go back to my job that I loved with Vancouver Coastal. And if that's the worst case scenario, that was a pretty good worst case scenario. I love that. That's such a, there's so much wisdom in that, in in taking, I don't want to say, what's the word, like calculated risks. So you're like, okay, I can, you know, the people who are like, I want to make a change. It doesn't have to be a 360 every time. You don't have to make these huge, super risky decisions all the time. You made a, you made a change that worked so well for your family and was also, like you said, the worst case scenario was not, it actually wasn't a risky decision. It wasn't. And so I felt lucky 
happy that I could make that decision. I also knew that I could work hard. So I, just before I got pregnant with my daughter, I was doing full-time work and doing my full-time MBA. So I knew that if I could do work and MBA at the same time, I could do motherhood study and trying to set up a business. Like I could do it, you know, Mm. and luckily, you know, my kids at that point were sleeping well. So I had those pockets of time. I'm very efficient. Like my life motto is short, sharp and shiny, like get things done. Um, And yeah, it just, it worked. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You, in getting to know you over the last few months, you do strike me as lazy. That's how I would describe you. Lazy. I I am uninterested in life. (laughs) <laughs> I am though this this extreme person though where like I'm either a hundred percent or zero percent. Yes. So I love being a sloth lying on the couch. Like that's <laughs> joy. But then if I'm being productive, I want to be super productive. Like I often think that it would be good if I could maintain like a 70%, but no, I'm either like a hundred or zero. Oh my gosh. I well, I love that about you. So for for context for people, um, Georgina and I met. At, oh, I think it's such a cool story. So Georgina is is a hundred percent in when she has an idea. So she, I don't really know how you conceive this idea, but she created a parenthood meetup in our little community here in North Vancouver. We're in this like one pocket of North Vancouver, close to Deep Cove. And she got in touch with the or became friends or close. I don't know how you did it with a really awesome coffee shop. Uh, United Strangers, shout out to you, and created a parenthood meetup that's super casual on Tuesdays. It's actually today. And just like just bringing people together and bringing casually some speakers around and that sort of thing. And I met Georgina. We did get introduced by a friend who was like, you two should meet. And then we started, I started going to this meetup and I was like, this is so, so incredibly cool. And then from there, we just became friends. But also I got the pleasure of working with you doing curriculum design on your online course, which is for newborn sleep and such a cool course in that it basically can serve anybody all over the world. And it's super affordable and it just provides support for people from those before you even have a kid into those newborn sleep days, which is incredible. And working with Georgina was unbelievable. If I could replicate you as a client for all my (laughs) client relationships, I would. You are short, sharp, and shiny, super (laughs) smart. And I can see how people would also love working with you one-on-one, not to continue to just toot your horn, but really like working with you one-on-one would be amazing. And I am going to be employing you shortly, I'm sure. Um, But you just, you give such practical advice. You don't go on these rants. You don't make it about you. Like you're very um, deliberate in everything you do. And I so appreciate that about you. Well, we also had a timeline working together because you were about to have a baby. So we <laughs> dally. We had to get it done before your baby came, which helped. Like you created that, di- you know, deadline and we just yes. made it. Like we didn't have lots of time to spare before, you no. know, the baby came. No, I'm pretty sure I had like heartburn and I was like, we'd be like chatting and I'd be like, oh, one second. Let me just pop some Tums here. The Tums bottle rattling in the background. Um, Okay. I digress. I digress. Newborn sleep, sleep in general. Can we start there? Yeah. We all know that sleep is so important. People who are listening to this podcast probably listen to 12 other podcasts of which people always talk about sleep and how important it is. But from your perspective, why is it important? Like, why is sleep important? What does it do for us? Let's just start there. I mean, we need it to live. If we don't sleep, you know, you'll die. So it's like a, a core basic need. So obviously you are eventually going to sleep at some point, but, you know, optimizing our sleep 
um, is so important for, you know, just broadly speaking, our cognitive function and our, like our bodies. So our bodies need sleep and need the different stages of sleep to repair ourselves, to have immunity, to stay healthy. So it is absolutely key in being healthy as well as being able to function optimally. So, you know, people who, you know, we all want to be healthy and live a little bit healthier um, and really, you know, I think it comes down to, especially as we get older, like I'm 40 next year, I'm thinking more about my longevity. Like I want to be able to live a long, healthy life for my children. And, you know, the number one thing you should look at is your sleep. Then, of course, you know, your intake and exercise, but sleep is like the basic. So if you go speak to anyone about health, they'll be like, how much are you sleeping? Are you getting good sleep? Mm. Now, it's different for everyone. So not everyone needs eight hours of sleep. Some people might need more. Some people might need less. You need to find out what works for you. Um, and then really just incorporating that into, you know, regular habits. Mm. What would be the least? Because, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, I only need four or five hours of sleep. Is that real? Yeah, some people. It's rare. No but some people, yes. You know, wow. Um, if you're not needing substances to stay awake, like you're not having, you know, 20 coffees at night to stay awake, um, and that's just really you and you wake up feeling well rested and you're able to function, then yes, yeah, some people only need a short amount of sleep. And so therefore it can be hard for them if they're being told, you know, go to bed at nine and wake up at six when they don't need that much sleep. So mm. it's rare, but yes, definitely there are some people that have low sleep needs. Mm. Oh my goodness. And then, okay. So when we talk about, um, different sleep cycles and how you, that's interesting that you said that there's different, we need each of the different cycles. Could you walk us through that high level? Because I think we all hear about REM, yeah, rapid eye movement. I do know that one, but I don't really know. Like, I'm like, oh, REM, your eyes kind of move around. Like maybe that's when you dream, or if you wake up in the morning and you remember your dream, it's because you woke up in REM. Like, what's all that about? So there's, we, you know, this is very simply put, I'm not going to go into the absolute nuances, but there's four yes. stages of sleep that we as adults have. Interestingly enough, babies, when they're born, only have two stages. Oh, so we can talk about that a little bit, if you like, when that change happens. Um, but we have four stages of sleep broken up into two main categories. So there's, as you mentioned, the REM sleep. So that's rapid eye movement sleep. And this lowers the metabolic rate. So it's important for your brain growth and memory organization. Hmm. So interestingly, a little bit of a side note, what they've found is that the, you know, because kids drop napping at different stages and what <laughs> actually it's related to is how big the hippocampus is. So how many memories can be stored in the hippocampus? Because you need to sleep for memories to go from short-term into long-term storage. So the bigger the hippocampus, the more memories that can be stored. So generally kids that drop napping earlier have a bigger hippocampus because mm. if they have a smaller one, they'll need to nap to move those memories. So fascinating. Yeah. So it is, that's why there's such a huge range of, you know, napping because each kid's brain is a little bit different. So that's what new research is showing, which is fascinating. Um, so, okay, so there's rapid eye movement sleep, but then there's the non-rapid eye movement sleep, and that's broken into three stages. So that creates the other three phases of sleep. So it's like very light sleep, light sleep, and deep sleep. So that's that deep sleep where, you know, you're not moving, like you're in that deep sleep, and you need that stage for cell growth and repair 
And really, so think of that as more, you know, your immunity, your your body functioning, staying well. But each individual spends different amounts of time in all these stages. It's not the same for everyone. And it's not the same for babies. That's why it's so complicated. That's why you kind of learn about this and you're like, I can't really remember much about how this all works. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's so different for everyone as well. So it's fascinating. That's so fascinating. Okay. On average, I mean, again, I'm going on a tangent, but I'm so curious about all this on average. What, what, how long would a sleep cycle take? Like, are we talking like half an hour or like Generally three hours? 45 minutes to 60 minutes? Is oh, a sleep cycle. Um, so and so short. very short. And that's why you often see babies, you know, they they have their very short sleep cycles and they need a lot of support to get back to sleep because they've not yet learned how to connect their sleep cycles as adults. Um, we're much better at doing that. Um, so we go through sleep cycles and, you know, you would, if you actually did sleep studies and watched people, you would see them sort of move from one sleep cycle to the next. Often, you know, you'll wriggle, turn over, your eyes might open for a little bit and then you go back to sleep. Um, but you don't remember that. You might remember the ones earlier on in the mornings because that's when more other factors come into play, like your levels of melatonin, your levels of cortisol and sleep pressure. So, and your body clock. So they all work and control sleep as well. Um, But sleep cycles are short. That is fascinating. Okay. And before we get into newborn, one last question. If anyone's like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I need sleep. How can somebody, if they could do one thing to support their own sleep, because we know, I know in your course too, what's so different about the course that you have is that you also talk about protecting or supporting sleep from the caregiver's perspective, which is amazing. What's one thing that we could all kind of do to just support our own sleep to get better, more hygienic sleep at night? Um, have a set wake up time in the morning, oh. roughly the same time every day. Cause that sets your body clock and sleep is controlled by body clock, circadian rhythm and sleep pressure. So set wake up time and get outside to some sunshine, early morning sunshine to help boost your serotonin. That's that precursor to melatonin. So if you just wake up around the same time and get outside, that's will d- dramatically help your sleep. Okay, done. I'm looking outside. It is it is gray, but that's okay, right? Clouds are fine. There's still sunlight. It's just hidden behind our rainy summer rain at the moment. We're <laughs> okay. Okay. Newborn sleep. You yeah. have, I in working with you on the newborn sleep course, I learn so much. It is chocked full of information. It's really nicely set up in that people can kind of just toggle through and kind of get what they need to get in the moment. Um, yeah. Tell me about newborn sleep. Yeah. Maybe start with your own experience. Like what did you, what was your experience with newborn sleep? And then how has that translated into how you support others? Yeah. So I was very concerned about sleep because for me, having good sleep is really important to my mental health. And so to maintain my mental health, I need to prioritize sleep. And of course, you know, that sleep is so fragmented when you have a newborn. Um, I was very lucky with my daughter. So my first child that she was an exceptional sleeper, you know, she'd still wake up for feeds during the night, but she'd go back to sleep. You know, it's, I found that totally fine. It was when they stay awake after a feed, you're like, oh my gosh, like this is unbearable. Mm. Um, And she slept easily during the day. She was what we call an angel baby. But what (laughs) I, around five, six months with her is that she, I was letting her sleep too much during the day. I didn't know that, but what was happening is I was, she'd have her naps. I just let her wake up when she woke up. Um, But she started to have these long wakeful periods in the middle of the night, like one to three hours. She's happy as can be, but ready to party. And I (laughs) ready to party at 2 a.m. 
So I sought the help of a sleep consultant and really all it was for Holland was balancing her sleep. So making sure she was having enough sleep during the day to be rested, but not too much sleep that it would impact nighttime sleep. And so we rebalanced her sleep and then the wake up stopped. So it was amazing. And I learned so much because, you know, you hear like, don't wake a sleeping baby. Oh no, you wake a sleeping baby. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh, I'm excited to get into that one. Yeah. That's such a hard, oh man, I'm in it right now. And I'm like, oh my God, I would never. Well, sometimes I do. No, it's it's hard. It's a hard thing. It feels yeah. like an oxymoron, right? It's it's sort of goes against what you think, but to protect nighttime sleep, it's sort of, you can justify it that way. Yeah. Um, but then my son was the polar opposite. Oh my gosh, nothing is more humbling than having a second kid and realizing nothing's to do with you. Um, my daughter was not a good sleeper because I was a good parent. She just was who she was based on her temperament. And my son was the polar opposite. He was really colicky. He cried nonstop for the first 12 weeks. He needed so much support to fall asleep, um, which was very challenging when I had a 17 month old as well at home with me. Um, and so I had to do a lot more. I, to, I got help with him again because I was just like, what and how do I do this? He would never feed to sleep. Um, he was, you know, I was rocking. But even just the act of rocking him and holding him would overstimulate him. So that wouldn't even work. So like he was a very challenging baby. So that's where I really learned that there is not one size fits all. You have to have many different approaches and that every baby is so different. So you mm. can't have that one size fits all because it won't fit them all. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. And I remember you do that on your Instagram stories. You'll do like a Q&A weekly and answer people's questions. But often you kind of have to start off. I, I notice in your answers, you're like, without knowing more or without understanding the context, like here's the advice I would give. And I found, I found that really interesting because I think we think that there's this one size fits all. We all buy these pdfs online for twenty dollars and we're like this has got to work it worked for sally but it doesn't always and then you kind of feel start to beat yourself up and you're like oh what am i doing wrong what am what's my role in this and some yeah. yes there are elements that you have control over but there's elements that are the baby right which I think becomes that's where the value in having support and seeking support comes in. I'm not telling anyone anything that you can't Google or find online because, you know, but I'm able to look at a situation, critically look at it, see the factors at play, ask the right questions, and then also normalize a lot of normal as well, which I think there's value in that knowing, yes, this is really hard, but it is normal. Mm -hmm. And then really sort of dialing in on what would work to that specific situation. So if you ever work with me, I send you a, a really long intake form and it's a lot of questions, but I need all that information to really have the full picture of what's going on. Um, and that's key. So, you know, there's mm -hmm. some sleep support. I was speaking to, a, a, you know, a client of mine and she said, I was shocked that you sent me an intake form. I'd worked with someone previously and they didn't ask me any questions. And, you know, that's like going to the doctor and them not asking you any questions and then just giving you a solution, but not asking what's wrong. Like that doesn't make sense. That's not going to work. Mm, totally. Oh my gosh. Okay. So if we were to break down newborn sleep yes. and what are some of the, can you actually start with the normalizing a few things for us? Like what are some things that are just normal with newborns? I'm thinking of sending, I'm going to be sending this episode to a few girlfriends who are having babies for the first time or having their second. And I think we just forget, or we, we forget that there's things that are just normal in babies and we beat ourselves up a lot. So normalize it for us. What are some of the things that we just they need to remember? They wake up a lot. 
they have short fragmented sleep. They're unlikely to have long stretches of sleep. Some do, often they don't. They want to be held for sleep. You know, you see all these photos of babies sleeping peacefully in bassinets and some do, but many, many, many do not want to sleep on their own. Um, often, Why is that? Sorry to interrupt. Why is that? Because it comes back to it's a survival thing. Mm. If they know they're close, well, first of all, they're inside us and it's cozy, it's warm, it's tight. So they're used to that feeling. They then come out and then suddenly they're not in that environment anymore. So they want to mimic the environment they were in, which has been up against something warm, being held cozy. You know, that's why swaddling works for lots of babies, you know, the carrier. Also, it's a survival mechanism. If they're left on their own, you know, a wild animal could come get them, you know, back in the day or even where we live here, to be honest. I'd never leave my baby like that on the, out on the veranda with all the bears and cougars we have out here. Um, and Georgia so, does actually live in the woods. I do. Like there are literally bobcats, cougars, coyotes, bears, <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> the water, but I hopefully wouldn't have my baby in the ocean. <laughs> um yeah, so they it's just they feel safe and they want to be comforted. Also, babies don't know how to regulate themselves. Mm. So the way that they learn to regulate is called a process called co-regulation. So through you regulating yourself by holding your baby, they then learn to regulate themselves. But that only happens if you're in close proximity. Mm. So by holding the baby, that then helps them learn how to regulate their emotions as well. So we're meant to hold our babies. We're meant to spend a lot of time skin to skin, closely holding. Some babies will be be a bit more independent and like a bit of space as well. Some babies don't love to be physically touched as much, um, but that is that is normal. Um, and also just feeding often, you know, it's very rare that babies are on a schedule and they honestly shouldn't be on a feeding schedule. They should be fed on demand. And, mm. you know, that may be, especially like in the early evening, a lot of cluster feeding. Um, and during the day, you know, every two to three hours, but maybe every half an hour. And it's exhausting, but, you know, it's a full-time job just keeping them alive. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, it really is. And you know, what's kind of coming up for me as you say all of that is, is I guess I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm back in it again with another baby and not to say that that makes you an expert in anything like it's very humbling to have another one and be like first of all I forget everything I don't remember anything about Addie's timeline but secondly I remember the same feeling that I had last time where I'm like what I'd be doing and am I messing this baby up by am I messing up the schedule by doing this am I am I messing things up but like you take so much onus on I don't know. I feel like I'm just putting so much pressure on myself about like, oh, but if I'm letting him sleep on me during the day, is that creating bad habits and blah, 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 blah. And what if I'm feeding him, you know, there's the, the, you should, the baby should wake up, you feed them, like you change them, you feed them, you let them like quote unquote play for a bit. And then they fall asleep again. If I feed him to sleep again, am I creating bad habits? There's like all this pressure we put on ourselves, but you're kind of saying, no, it's just kind of a wild, wild west. Like you just do with the baby. You follow their cues. Follow their cues, but also do what works for you. You know, there's no bad habits. There's no bad sleep associations if they're working for you. Feeding to sleep is a superpower for many people. So why would you not feed to sleep? 
because it gets them to sleep really quickly. And then especially in the first four to five months, just do what works. Don't worry about, am I going to create bad habits? Is this setting like a bad precedent for down the line? Like if worry about that down the line, if it becomes an issue, just do what works, tune into your own intuition and do what works for you and what works for your baby. So you're getting to know your baby and they're getting to know you. So you'll try something and it may work or it may not. So just keep trying different things and don't feel like you should be doing something or you need to be doing something. Just do what works Mm. and also get support. So, you know, for example, if it's with feeding, we're not we don't know how to breastfeed. Like it's, I sort of thought it would be this innate thing where it just happens magically. And for some people it does, but it can be really, really hard for a lot of people. So get support. And if you're not sure exactly like how much should your baby be sleeping? Like, are they meant to be awake for four hours or are they meant to be asleep? Get some support to have like some basic information, which is what really why the course was developed because we don't know this stuff. So it's giving you just a whole lot of information to empower you. Like newborns are not awake for long. You know, they're going to be sleeping 14 to 20 hours of the day, you know, um, and so that's normal. So, but they'll wake up often. So they're not going to have those long stretches. So have it, give yourself some information, empower yourself with that information, but then filter it through what works for you. So have all this information, but then filter it like that's going to work for me. That's not going to work for me. Okay, I'll try that. Oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Like just take it all with a grain of salt. Mm, That's really cool. I love that. And I guess with your own personality too, like what's working for us right now is I'm kind of a bit of a busybody. Like I like to like buzz around and do things and kind of go grocery shopping or do this or do that, especially now that since I'm not working as much right now. And that seems to work really well for Brody because he loves a stroller or a car nap. And so I'm like, and so, you know, there's moments where I'm like, is that bad? Like, should I be like home and like singing him to sleep in his bassinet, but it's working. And so what I'm hearing from you is like, then do it. Doesn't matter. And there'll be some babies that hate the car and hate Mm. the stroller. So you won't want to put them in there and that's okay too. So do, and you know, it might get to a point where he doesn't sleep well on the go, but that could be years down the line while he sleeps well in the go, on the go. And while you want to leave the house, do it. Mm. On the flip side, sometimes leaving the house is very stressful for some people. I know it was stressful for me with my second because he'd scream the whole time and I had to wrangle a toddler. So the thought of leaving the house was just not something that I wanted to do. So to give yourself permission then to not leave the house, that's okay Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's very good advice. Do you do you, boo. You do you. Yes. (laughs) My motto. (laughs) You do you. (laughs) Okay. Going back to the sleep cycles, if we were to talk about the science for just a quick second, you said that there's there's a huge difference. And sometimes that type of information can just make you understand things and just give you a bit more context. You said that there's only they only have two stages of sleep. Yeah. So when a newborn's born, they have just two stages of sleep. So active and quiet sleep. Then around, so then you will, if you look at your baby, there'll be a periods of time where they're like totally limp and like you lift up their arm and it falls down. Like that's deep sleep. Then there's active sleep where actually sometimes you can think they're awake, but they're not like their eyes may be fluttering open and shut. They may be twitching. They may be making a little bit of sounds. And that can sometimes be where people are like, oh my God, they're awake. I'll go get them. But actually they're still asleep. So there is value in always pausing and just looking and being like, are they awake or is this just active sleep? And then if it's active sleep, just, you know, let them be. You'll soon realize if they are awake, 
Um, they'll let you know. Yeah, they'll quite vocally normally. Um, <laughs> then around four months, there is a permanent change in the sleep cycles. So that's why you hear, oh my gosh, the dreaded four month sleep regression. I like to call it the four month progression. It is every baby will go through it. They go from two stages of sleep to four stages of sleep. Some babies, you will not even notice it. They will go through the change, but nothing changes. Some babies, they go through the change and everything changes. They're waking up more. They're more irritable. They need lots more um, support to sleep. Like it can be a huge change for some babies. And that's where parents go, what is going on? Like this is not working anymore. This used to work. You know, they used to have two hour naps. They're now only napping for, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. Um, So it can be, you know, anxiety provoking. I always say to parents, don't worry about it until there is a problem because Mm. you might putting all this energy into stressing about something that may or may not happen. You also don't know how it's going to show itself. But when it does start to show itself, know that there's resources out there, the strategies and tips to try to work your way through it. Mm. And it will, like most things, it will pass? It will pass. Yeah. It'll oh pass. my gosh. Okay. Four months. Oof, we're getting close to that. I'm sure I'll be calling you at that point. I feel like I'm like saving, I'm yeah, saving my- in my back pocket. There's nothing to really mess around with right now, but you never know. Never know. Oh my goodness. Okay. So the four months sleep regression progression. I like that. Yeah. Cause it is. And, and it's also, so you hear all these words, you know, all these regressions that the kids have, mm-hmm. it's, it's not really a regression in the sense that it's a permanent change. So it is a permanent change. Often some of the other regressions, a cause for whatever reason and it then sort of goes back to how they were your baby won't go back to how they were but they'll adjust to the new normal right and that your role in that is to support them through that yeah and give them some ideas and strategies and also just normalize it as well I think you know if you know that something's normal even if it's hard it becomes that bit easier because it is normal Mm -hmm. okay what would be some of the things that you feel like you're a broken record with when you're doing one-on-one consulting? Like what, what are some of the, like, you know, two or three things that you feel like you say every single time that you haven't already said today? Um, I think not really knowing the difference between schedule and rhythm. Mm. So I don't, it's not necessary to be on a schedule. I personally am, I like a schedule. So I liked knowing when my babies slept because it gave me more freedom. However, some people that doesn't work for them and that's okay, but it's nice to have the same rhythm throughout the day. So that would be, you do the same things in the same order during their awake time, just so then that, you know, that creates that consistency during the day. Um, and that's really comes into, especially at bedtime. So bedtime routine is really important. Now, when they're a baby, it's going to be super simple, like changing them, getting them in a sleep sack, setting up the environment, which could be, you know, closing the blinds, turning the sound machine on, rocking or feeding them to sleep. That is the bedtime routine, but you're doing the same thing in the same order every day. And so if you can focus more on a rhythm of your day versus a schedule of the day, it gives you a lot more um, freedom, especially when they're on lots of naps. It's so hard to have a set schedule because how long are they going to sleep for? You know, you're going off wake windows more than, you know, oh my gosh, it's 10 10 a.m. time for a nap. So instead of focusing on schedules, it can be really anxiety provoking. Focus on just the rhythm of your day 
And, you know, that's going to be hard to find in the early months, but around four to five months, you will notice there's a bit more consistency. So that's when you can just focus on that rhythm. Mm, That's so good. And that's helpful to know that it's four to five months is kind of when you can start to expect the quote unquote schedule. Cause it's, I mean, you do find everyone's so different. So, you know, I'm chatting with other moms who were like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it is 10 AM and my two month old it's, they're going down for their nap. And I'm like, what? I could never predict that at this point, but to your point, you're like, sure, maybe some, but rhythms and I'm totally in that rhythm phase right now, personally. Yeah. Go with the rhythm. And the other thing to, you know, give yourself a break with is bedtime. It is impossible to have a consistent bedtime because there's so many variables in the day that'll impact when, you know, a baby goes to sleep. So I say, don't focus on that. Focus in aiming for a bedtime within a one to two hour window. And that's okay as well. So, you know, don't look at the clock and be like, oh my gosh, it's 7.30, it's time for bed. Um, It's not about the timing thing. It's just like the window of the evening, aim for that. At some point in the evening, you're all going to sleep. Yes, exactly. (laughs) The same things leading up to that bedtime. Okay. Okay. I love that. Now, switching gears a little bit, one thing that I love about your philosophies is that you really do support your... I would say you equally support baby and caregivers and maybe even more so caregivers. Like, I think that's really cool in the way that you talk about sleep and the way that you talk about caregiving and parenting. And you're like, you, you've got to be good. And I know you're a huge advocate for mental health, of course, given the work that you've done, which is incredible. Thank you for what you do, by the way, in the social work world. It's so important. Um, so maybe we could talk, you know, just touch on that and mental health and all the different factors that might be playing into this newborn period, like birth trauma and, you know, supporting your own mental health. How can, how does that all play into this topic of newborn sleep? I think, you know, there's so many things that we can't control with newborns and even like labor, you know, we can have a great plan for labor, but often labor will not go according to plan. And so it's good to have, um, some plans in place, but more focus on resources, setting yourself up for success. So who are going to be your resources? Looking into them a bit before, you know, you have the baby when you've got a bit more mental capacity to think, Um, you know, whether that be family, friends, professionals, have your team around you that you can easily then go access if things don't go well. Also redefine for example, your own sleep. So before you may have been sleeping eight to nine hours straight a day overnight, that's really quite unrealistic if you have a newborn. Um, But can you get eight to nine hours over a 24-hour period? So that's, you know, maybe napping during the day or do you have a partner or a family member that could do a bit of the nighttime um, so you could get a two or three hour stretch of sleep when someone else is looking after the baby in between feeds if you're if you're breastfeeding. Um, also just really putting into your day a little tiny nugget of self-care, which I'm like the worst at doing this. Like I have only, like I jokingly, well, it's not a joke. I only just recently started showering daily when my youngest one is two because it's so hard to like take care of yourself. But can you have a shower every day? Could you have a cup of hot tea? Like I still do not have my coffee 
warm. You know, I have a Yeti, a little Yeti mug that I keep my coffee in because it stays warmer longer. So, you know, (laughs) things like that into your day to just really things that are for you, not for the baby. Mm. That might be setting up, you know, some postpartum meals. There's amazing meal services that really are nourishing you and your body um, and resting, like focus Instead of focusing on sleep, if you just focus on rest. So, you know, you might not be able to sleep, but can you rest? So keep your body still, put your feet up. Um, You don't need to be doing as much as you used to be doing. Just sitting and caring for your baby is doing, and that is productive. Mm, I think that's such a cool reframe. Like the two things I really take away from that are thinking about it over a 24-hour period. I just feel like that gives you... That, that makes me just breathe easier versus yes. that pressure, the stress, sleep stress. You know, when you like wake up, I remember as a kid, this would often happen. I'd like wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh no, I can't get back to sleep. Yeah. Looking at the clock, counting down, being like, if I fell asleep now, how many hours would I, if I fell asleep now, like that's almost coming back up in these newborn days where you're like, ah, shoot, like, did I get enough sleep last night? But if you stop putting that pressure on the nighttime sleep, and look at yeah. it 24 hours, that actually feels so much better. And with you saying resting is productive, like not, not also like the sleep when the baby sleeps thing. How do you feel about that? I think it's the most ridiculous thing. Look, <laughs> it might work for some people, especially if you're bed sharing. I think it is nice that you might be able to sleep when your little one sleeps. I was never able to do that. And the anxiety of doing that was like, well, I can't sleep. And especially I had a winter baby, my first baby. So the days are so short. I wanted to see as much daylight as I could, you know? Um, So I think, but instead of sleeping, if that's not working for you when the baby sleeps, rest. Also, Mm. I think it's only really doable with your first kid. If you've got a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, there's another kid running around. Like I couldn't just go like, you know, Holland, I know you're only 17 months old, but I'm just going to go have a nap now. Can you take care of yourself? (laughs) I know these funny things. It's like, that sounds nice, but, but then again, it puts pressure because you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be sleeping when the baby sleeps. But then I I found talk about like cortisol or just like these like hormones that are rushing through your body in those first couple of weeks. Like I had this weird, even though I wasn't sleeping very much in the nighttime, it's better now. I had this like energy during the day, like these bursts of energy. And I'm like, crap, the baby's sleeping. I should be sleeping. And it just created this like tension within me. Yeah. But I mean, it rest. might work. It might work for some people, but I always say just focus on rest. Like, mm-hmm. especially if you're the birthing parent, you have gone through so much. So your body does need you to rest even from just a physical standpoint your body needs to rest to heal from the birth um and you know your uterus to you know repair it's got a dinner plate size wound in your uterus like any if you that wound was visible everyone would be like rest don't move oh my gosh Mm. imagine that on your you know on your leg everyone would say put that leg up don't move it but because it's a hidden wound people sort of you know don't think about it Oh, it's so crazy to think about. I've never actually, I've never heard that dinner, dinner uh, plate. Dinner plate size, like wound on your uterus, where your placentas come off from. So that's why we bleed, you know, for so long because it's still healing. Mm. And that, see, that also makes sense for the C-section perspective. I know you did, you had vaginal births and I had C-section births and that's another, everyone's like, oh, how's your, your scar? And I'm like, my scar is fine, but something else feels physically different and wounded and it's the uterus uterus. yeah like 
you know, the scar might be healing fine, but there's just, you can just tell your body yeah. just feels some, something's up, something's healing. Yeah. And, and while you're healing, you're having to keep another human alive. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Potentially more than one. Yeah, exactly. It's a wild ride. Oh my gosh. I, I could have a, a 200 million more questions that come up. Um, is there anything that you think were that I've missed that you get asked all the time? Like I'm, I don't even know what else to ask you because I feel like there's just so much out there. Well, and I think it's just every situation so different. So I think just honoring that, that there are so many differences. Um, this, I guess the number one thing for people to be aware of is sleep needs. We touched on it a little bit to do with yes. adults, but with babies, babies and toddlers have different sleep needs. So there's the average. And it, I always work off averages because it's the average of babies will fall in there. But you need to acknowledge that some babies will be high sleep needs, some will be low. And so you know your baby best. Wake windows are actually not evidence-based. It's just anecdotal. So it is right for most. But if you're saying, no, I know my baby should be awake for an hour and a half, but really they can only do an, you know, an hour 10, then they can only do an hour 10. So you know, layer on their cues and know that sleep needs very child to child. Now, sleep needs are often genetic. So it's always good to look at yourself and the other, um, you know, parent of the child and be like, okay, so we're both super low sleep needs. It's likely that your child will be low sleep needs. Or even if just one parent is, there is a correlation. So knowing your own sleep needs will then help you determine your child's as well. So interesting. And sleep needs are like the amount of sleep. The amount of sleep. Yes, one needs. That one and you needs. touched on sleep pressure. Could you explain, could you explain the, the pressure? I think that's a cool, I can like visually see that, but I don't really yeah. know what that means. So you need a wake time to build up the pressure to need to sleep. So to fall asleep, you need sleep pressure. When you're first born, you do not need a lot of awake time to have that sleep pressure. So that's why babies do not stay awake longer. All you need to remember is that over time, the amount of awake time will increase and the amount of time needed to sleep will decrease. So that's really how you determine how much you sleep. So if you wake up in the morning as an adult, you know, you've woken up at 6 a.m., you're not going to be able to fall asleep at 8 a.m. because you've only been awake for two hours. You know, most adults need at least 12 hours, usually more like 15, to be able to fall asleep again. Um, but if we've had lots of nights of really bad sleep for whatever reason, that's when we'd be like, gosh, I could really do with a nap. And you can fall asleep because you've got a bit of sleep debt that's been built up. So that pressure has built up. So that's really, and sleep pressure and circadian rhythm are the two factors that control sleep. And we do have control over sleep pressure and we do have control over body clock. So being able, knowing and understanding how that works and how we can manipulate those and optimize those will help our sleep. Mm, that's so interesting. Scotty read a book called Why We Sleep. I forget who the author was, but he would not stop talking about it. I never actually read the book because I'm like, I basically read it because oh every night he would tell me the summary of what he read that day, which was very cute and very and very interesting. Sounded quite boring, which he said it was quite boring, but fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I remember him saying um, that there was just, everyone is so different yeah. with their sleep. Like this is a huge theme of this episode today yeah. is everyone is so different. incredibly different, but that there are some people who just, 
in terms of when they want to fall asleep, like there might be, and I hear this with some friends, like there's some kids that their bedtimes are nine or 10 o'clock because yeah. they truly can't fall asleep. fall asleep before that. What, what's that about? And is that, is that real? Yeah. So that's again, going back to sleep pressure. Some people and babies need more sleep pressure. So what I generally say is it should be taking 10 to 20 minutes to fall asleep. So if you're, say you're with a toddler, I think this comes up a bit more as you get into more toddler years, because, you know, that's when you're trying to finesse, like, should they be on one nap? How long Mm. should the nap be? When to drop? If your toddler is taking more than 30 minutes to fall asleep, the balance is wrong. So how can we increase the awake time to help with that sleep pressure? Um, And on the flip side, if you have a baby that literally falls asleep or a toddler that falls asleep within less than five minutes, I would say they need to go to bed a bit earlier. So 10 to 20 minutes is so sleep latency. The time to fall asleep should be 10 to 20 minutes. That's the sweet spot. Whoa, I've never heard that before. That's incredible. Yeah. Or less than five minutes, you might want to consider yeah. earlier. That's so interesting. Yeah. And so you sort of have to finesse it. And this comes up a lot with kids are down to one nap a day. So mm. you probably, if you hear that a child's not going to sleep till nine, 10 o'clock at night, I would say they're having quite a lot of daytime sleep. But for some families that works, you know, especially if, you know, one parent doesn't get home until later and they want to spend time with their child, then totally. I do not want my children up at nine o'clock at night because that is my time. So, you know, we try to, you know, have earlier um, bedtime because that works for our family. Um, But again, look at sleep over 24 hours. So my daughter doesn't nap. Um, She's three now, but she's a 12 hour kid. She needs 12 hours of sleep. She needs 12 hours of awake time. So I know down to the T when she's ready for bed by what time she woke up in the morning. So mm. this morning, my son woke her up at 6.15. So I know that I'm going to have to really get her into bed around 6.15, 6.30 tonight um, because that's what she needs. But whereas yes. my son, he naps still. So he goes to bed a bit later because he's had that nap in the day that's reduced the sleep pressure. So he has to stay awake a little bit later to be able to fall asleep. So, so fascinating. And this leads me into working with somebody like you, a sleep consultant, whether it is you, if somebody is um, local or in BC, in Canada, BC, Alberta, Ontario, or elsewhere. um, What does it look like to work with a sleep consultant? Like what is, what do, what do you do? I guess that would be the question. I mean, I think I sh- I'll speak to like what I think a good sleep consultant should do. So first of all, sleep consultant, sleep trainer, sleep support, it's an unregulated profession. So anybody can say that they are a sleep consultant. So know that when you're looking for support. So I always suggest that you do try to seek out some sleep support to somebody that's also part of a registered profession. So I'm a registered social worker. So I have standards of practice. I'm with the college in three provinces. I have standards of practice, um, ethics that I have to appear. Um, and so you know that I'm held, held to a standard of care. There's lots of nurses, OTs, clinical counsellors that also do this work. So try to find someone that is also part of a registered profession. Additionally, then it can often be covered by your benefits if you're in Canada. So that's like another perk to try to find someone who is part of a profession that you have coverage for. But then I think what's really important is to find someone that asks you a lot of questions. They should be, you know, asking many, many, many questions about your whole life because that impacts sleep. 
Um, and then avoid people that have like a cookie cutter approach or like a method, because that's really implying that everyone's the same and everyone is not the same. So someone that can really tailor an approach that is for your child and for your family and for your values and for your goals. And that can take a little bit of time to find the right combination. Um, and also someone that normalizes what it's like to be a parent and what it's like to have sleep battles as well. And, you know, and someone that's really walks alongside you in the journey as well. Mm. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's really good advice. I, I think the registration is really interesting and, and really important, especially when we're talking sleep is a, is a medical need. Yeah. So and a very, and there's mental health elements to it. So I actually think it's super important. That really makes a lot of sense to me because especially in such a delicate time, hormonally, yeah. physically, emotionally, like all the things, um, I think you do want to be working with people who really, who can really hold you and support you in a very delicate way, in a very certain way that yeah. is based on standards versus coach. And I'm coming from an unregulated profession of being a coach, but it's mm. different because when I'm working with people in a, from a career perspective, I'm not necessarily working with the most vulnerable. And you're yeah. pretty vulnerable when you're... Totally. And that's where you born. also need to listen to your intuition. Like if you do seek out some support and it's just not sitting well with you and it's just you're not feeling good about it, then walk away. You know, I know that you may have paid for this service and you may not get a refund, but honestly, if it's not feeling good for you, then walk away and don't do anything that you're not comfortable with because, you know, consistency is key with sleep. It's not in the early days, but, you know, as you're moving more into toddlerhood, being consistent as a parent, all facets of parenting is key. And you're not going to be consistent if you're doing something that you don't agree with or that mm -hmm. it doesn't align with your values. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so, Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Like we could get into bed sharing and cry it out and this and that. And I think what I'm getting from you, what if I were to put words into your mouth, it would be do it if it works for you and if it feels right. And if it works for you and your kid and your life and your circumstance, like there's just, yeah, the cookie cutter thing. I think that's great permission because I think that there's a couple of these programs that I'm like, oh, I guess I should, you know, before meeting you, I'm like, oh, I should purchase this like X, Y. Well, I think we all know like the programs that were kind of, hinting at perhaps. And for some people, I bet it does have incredible results and changes yeah. their life, but other people might try it and be like, why isn't this working? What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with my kid? Blah, blah, blah. And I think you've really touched on, you know, the number one thing that really, I think why I went into this field is that we think that, you know, we are failing as parents if sleep isn't working. So there's so much correlation between we must be a bad parent because our baby's not sleeping. It's not at all that, you know, sleep is, there's some things we can control, but a lot of it we can't. Um, and so, you, you know, sleep is often the first thing that we get judged on as parents. You know, I, I've got the hindsight now of having toddlers where there's a billion things people are judging me on. Oh my gosh, you let them watch screens. Oh my gosh, like you let them have junk food. Like, you know, you'll, you'll forever be judged on your parenting, but sleep's often the first thing that people, because they'll be like, oh, is it a good baby? But what they're really asking is, is the baby sleeping? Like, again, like, why are you asking that question? So dumb. I'm sorry, what a dumb question. 
such a dumb question. But like, no, the baby's not sleeping well because it's a baby. So actually it's a great baby, you know, this, and this thing of being a good baby and a bad baby is, you know, puts up too much pressure on us as parents. Mm-hmm. And you know what, and now that I'm thinking about that, having two people lovingly ask like, oh, are they different? Or like, oh, how is so-and-so compared to so-and-so? And I, I mean, I'm naturally doing that every minute of every day being like, oh, well, at this age, I'm looking back at my journal, my notes that I was writing because I'm a little bit crazy like that. And I'm like, oh, but at this point, Addie was doing this. It's like, eh, well, I think we just got to throw everything out the window. We got to throw the rule books. We got to throw our expectations. We've got to throw other people's expectations out the freaking window and just hire Georgina and have her just (laughs) give you a hug either virtually or in person and be like, you're doing okay. It's all good. I'm here if anyone needs. <laughs> it just helps to just have a chat too, you know, a chat yes. to someone. And I think that's, you know, me selfishly, the sort of the X factor that I bring is that I am a social worker. So I'm used to working with people, um, meeting them where they're at, strengths-based perspective, um, working along with their goals, um, but around sleep. Yes. And I mean, if there's someone, you've you've been trained in an on-judgment approach too. Yes. Like you've seen yes. it all. You've seen it yes. all. Yes. And now where can everybody find you? So you are, your company is Woodlands Collective. You so do fun. one-on-one support so people can just reach on out. How can they do that? Yeah. So there's my website, woodlandscollective.ca, as well as Instagram, woodlands.collective.sleep. Um, they're the two best ways my contact details um, are on my website um, and send me an email or a dm and so yeah I do one-on-one sleep support there's the newborn sleep course as well which you know if you're expecting or you've got a newborn I say is a great starting point because it's just jam-packed with information and you can just go to what's relevant for you Um, but then and if you're in Vancouver North Vancouver West Van or Burnaby I do in-home so in person, I had a lovely in home yesterday, which was so nice. I mean, I love virtual, but it's just nice to, you know, be, you know, face to face. But otherwise, Georgia, you just want to hold babies. I know. I know you. You just want I, to hold the baby. Just want to cuddle and, you know, get my baby fix. <laughs> so if you have a baby, I'm happy to hold it anytime. Um, yeah. And then otherwise virtually. So that could be a phone call or I use Jane app for my booking. I think most of us, especially in Canada, are very familiar with Jane app. Um, so I do my calls over Jane app or it can just be a phone call as well, because some people, you know, with kids, they want to be out walking while they're talking to me. So whatever works for you works for me. Oh, I love that. And with the sleep course, I love you have a button where you can gift the yeah. course. Yeah. And it's the perfect price point. Remind me of the price point again. $75. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, that is such a, it's a very generous and lovely gift to give to somebody, say for a shower. If you're like, oh, they have all the books. It's just, it's the second baby or something like that. It's such a lovely gift. And you can do that very easily on the website by just clicking gift the sleep course. And then you just put the person's email address in and then they get boom, it. And yeah. they get it. You only need so many burp cloths, but you know, a a sleep course, I would have liked it when I had my babies. Uh, Giving, what did I, I think I, I think I might've written the copy for that. It was like, give the gift of sleep or something intensely. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like anyone who's in the, in it right now, listening to this, you're like, oh yeah, give me that gift of sleep. Exactly. (laughs) That's, that's the ultimate gift. Well, thank you so, so much for joining and for sharing all this, all this wisdom value. There's so much there's so much here and it's such a man for those who are listening, who are in it. We, we are with you. We see you and we know how much, um, 
how intense of a period it can be. So thank you, Georgina, for just sharing everything and for what you do, you know, on the mental health side of social work and also sleep. It's just, this is, this is the work. This is the good work. This has been fun. We should do this every week. Okay. We'll do a sleep. <laughs> we'll just, we'll, you'll just be my sleep consultant and we can record it. That works, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Georgina. And uh, I'm excited for everyone to learn more from you and in all the ways, all your platforms. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can access all resources mentioned in this episode via my website, andreabar.com slash podcast. And let's chat on Instagram. I'm at Andrea Bar Coaching and I reply to every DM I get. If you loved this episode, don't forget to quickly hit that button on your podcast app to give me a five-star rating and drop in a review. It would truly mean the world. And if you're like me and love to share things that you love, send this episode to a friend who you think would appreciate this topic. Thanks again for listening and I'll chat with you next week.